and welcome to the Adaptive Executive Podcast, where we meet with senior executives and discuss how to keep yourself and your organization adaptive and your employees engaged. My name is Greg Ballard, founder and owner of 5C Consultant, and I am your host. If you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, you can apply on our website at 5C.Consulting. Look for the word podcast. For now, let's dive into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Adaptive Executive. I am your host, Greg Ballard, and I have uh, a very special guest, uh, Yannick da Costa, and Woo! she is the founder and president and CEO of YKMD. And uh, welcome, Yannick. Thank you so much for having me, Craig. I'm pretty excited to be here. Um, butterflies and all going on over here. Uh, just ready to, you know, share my story and see how it could be um, impactful for your listeners. Fantastic. So we've had a few minutes to connect um, today and, and briefly uh, a couple weeks ago. And I just wanted to hear more of, and I really want my the listeners to hear uh, your story and really what was the, the concept of YKMD and kind of tell us your journey to where you are today. So it's been a really long time that I have felt like I, as an individual, want, was going to do something with my creative talents. Um, when I was in high school, even like I would major in, I grew up in Jamaica, went to high school in Jamaica. Um, we had like these different subjects that we'd focus on. And one of them was art for me um, after being encouraged by um, a teacher. And my my family kind of thought about, well, everybody has to have one fun, easy subject, right? Then I you know, migrated to the United States and went to college. And because I was always put in the position to go to the best schools in the island and have the best um, foundational education, by the time I got to college, I didn't really pay for anything. I had a scholarship for food, books, um, housing, um, every and anything. I didn't actually have to work on this. I wanted to buy pretty clothes for whatever reason, because um, I'm a girl. It's fine. Real quick, real quick. <laughs> I got I to gotta ask. So when you came here, when you came to the mainland states, U.S. Uh -huh. to go to school. What state were you in? What school did you go to? So um, I was in Florida. Um, I ended up going to Florida Atlantic University, but I actually did my associate's degree at Miami-Dade College, which I don't think a lot of people know that. Um, uh -huh. And I decided I was going to major in art in both instances, right? And so my family kind of drove them crazy. They were like, so we sent you to private school your whole life for you to go to college and learn to draw. Cause I came, I came to America under protest. <laughs> like I didn't want to come to America at all. I was like, life is really good in Jamaica. We have housekeepers. Like there's a gardener, like the food, the, like the fridge is full. Like I have food. My grandparents love me. Like I get whatever the heck I want. Why am I going to America? This is horrible. So I kind of came under protest and I kind of was just like, I mean, if you say I have to go, to Yo, school, I got, I got, I got to call this out because, like, I can relate as a young guy. Like, you know, I, my story is my story, but like, the whole idea of your parents kicking you out of the house, like, I feel like I'm just hearing you say your parents kicked you out of the country. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just taking it at a new level. <laughs> like, go forth and conquer. Um, but so it was just like, all right, cool. I'm here. If I'm gonna be here, right? 
then I'm going to do it on my own terms. And it's really their fault. Like, it's really my parents' fault. When I say my parents, I really mean my mom. It's all her fault because she set me up for success so well that she put me in a position where I got all the, you know, financial assistance I needed from all the 10,001 different scholarships I applied to because I applied to a lot, like a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had the financial freedom to choose how I wanted that money to be spent because she wasn't paying for college education. I was on my own, like back, so to speak, right? Like as a result of my hard work. And so I was just like, well, if, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to choose to do art because that's what I like to do. That's what I love to do. That's why I have a good time. It's either art or math. And I wholeheartedly believe that even though like I'm great at math and I love practicing math, like I feel like when you go to college, you should go to college specifically to enhance a skill set that you naturally have not to make not to do or major in something that makes the most money so oh my gosh hold on hold on hold on i gotta stop you on that one because think about this and and, and the work that we do is all about development and you have uh you know mentors coaches and there's you can actually look at them and say okay are you a weak side coach do you like do you come in and help develop somebody's weak side or are you a strength side? And it takes an exponential amount of effort and investment to get a weakness up to like a, a minimum standard, whereas it takes a very little effort to take a strength and make it even better. And so what you just said there, I think really, really, if you're a young person and you're in school or if you're thinking back to, back to school, invest in something that you have a natural ability in. Yeah, no, it it, make, it makes a difference. I mean, I'm not saying that I can't be like the best basketball player in the world. I'm just saying it might take me a really long time to get there because I'm not like naturally athletic. Um, anywho, so in this moment, like I'm in college, right? And the whole time there's like, you're going to be a starving artist. You're going to be a starving artist. Like, and then I re- I was like, wait, that doesn't have to be true for me, right? So mm-hmm. being Jamaican, we like to party. Everybody knows that, you know, everybody drink a red stripe, have a good time, all of that. So I used to go to a, a lot of parties, like a, like way too many parties. I probably got into parties that I probably wasn't old enough to get into, but I won't get anybody in trouble. Um, and while I was there, I would like stay until like the party was like literally like closed and I didn't drink. So like I was pretty well. Mm, not frequently anyway but so I was pretty sober most times and I was just like dancing up a storm like there's no way she's sober like absolutely I was having a great time but hey who are you the lights are on and it'll be like the club owner or the promoter or the organizer whatever it is they'll be like so who makes your graphics and they'll be like why either why or they tell me and I'd be like well how about I do it for x percent less than that person does it and if I deliver it faster you use me now and so here's this little college girl dressed in like, you know, high heels and probably a skirt that's entirely like too tight, um, trying to convince these people to do business with her. And I'm just like, no, I want you to take me seriously. I'm being serious. And, and after a while, that weird like little, okay, I'll give her a chance, turned into a certain level of respect. It's funny. I was actually talking to one of my old clients um, earlier this year, and he was like, I always admired how you managed to command respect from people especially in like the nightlife industry without like you know doing the exciting things that people think that girls do in order to get ahead and so it got to the point where I was just like I'm a little tired of going to parties every night because you know by this time when I'm 22 I'm you know I've already been to all the 21 over 
parties like at 18 so I'm like all right this is this isn't exciting anymore but it, you know it paid for my little penthouse apartment in Miami without having to ask other people for money so like cool but now I'm like all right I want to turn that into something different I want to I want to like do something that I think would make my mother a bit more proud so I, I'm still in this place where I'm like trying to like seek parental approval right and so I'm like all right well how do I take this to like a corporate a corporate place because for a long time, I was just in my bedroom making money and no one believed me. They were like, all you do is in the room making money. Come on, wash the dishes. And I'm just like, bro, I'm working. Like, leave me alone. Uh, mind you, of course, everybody has a completely different like perspective on like working from home now. But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, back then everybody was just like, you're, you need a real job. So I took that portfolio of work and kind of like entered corporate America. But now I've entered corporate America and I'm getting laid off, like left, right, and center. Like I think I was at one place for like maybe two months. And then the guy came in and was like, he huddled us all up. And he was like, yes, yeah, so everybody except for that guy is still hired. And we were all just like, wait, what? We just started. This, wait, what's happening? Oh, yeah, we lost our biggest contract. We can't afford any of you anymore. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I'm glad I didn't throw away my client list. And I'm glad I didn't tell anyone to jump off a cliff and die. Um. All right. So still building those relationships, still nurturing those things. I'm like, all right, well, it got to the point where I'm like, I'm not, I'm never going to put my ability in anybody's hands anymore. I need to get back to the root of what this was, which is having control over my life and doing the things that makes me happy to make a living. Bump what people think having a real source of income looks like or having a real job looks like. Is it actually sustaining a lifestyle for me? And it kind of turned into, all right, well, these are the skill sets I have. How do I leverage these skill sets into something that's like desirable for the price point that I need? Because I, you know, I like nice things, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm the ultimate girly girl in some instances. And so I'm like, well, how do I get these things? Like what price point do I need to be? And then I need to try to like re like reverse engineer for who's willing to make like, who's willing to make that purchase. And so over the years, like our organization has transitioned through a couple of niches, right? Like we have, you know, again, started at like the nightlife phase, um, gone into um, working with privately owned medical practices, gone into working with real estate developers, which I mean, we still do even today. Um, but our primary niche right now, and this is like post 2025, like we literally made this pivot 2020 um like April or April or May and we decided to focus on working with corporate event planners and trade show marketers and people thought I was insane they were like so you want to focus on a dying industry in the middle of a pandemic and I was like who said it was dying what I see is everybody else who may or may not be a competent designer running away from the industry because they're afraid I am not. So I leaned in and I feel Mm -hmm. like as we continue to grow and continue to serve the industry in a way where we're providing them with what is it they need to be their most productive, that we're going to take this place over kind of like, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. So I think that's fascinating. If I could break this down, the lens, what I'm hearing, right, from you, and um, a couple, a couple things come up. And though I like the way you say, "Hey, what do they need?" 
how do we meet their need? And it's so, so simple. Yet a lot of folks in business, a lot of folks in the sales, like they, they miss the idea of what the customer, the client needs, and they're actually more focused on the shiny object they created. <laughs> Seth Godin, Seth Godin, if you've heard of Seth Godin, um, he has this great parable called the lock, the illustration of the little lock and the key. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but yeah. um, a lot of times people will go out and they'll go into their basement, they'll go in their workshop, they'll get with their team and they want to, they, they, they fashion this beautiful key, this perfect key that they have internally, you know, four walls, no windows. Um, nothing. <laughs> and then they have to go out and they're trying to sell it. And yet they have yet to test any locks. They have yet to see what a lock looks like. Um, and, and so I just really like the way you framed it. Like, what, what's the problem and how could we help you? Uh, and, and so I just, I just really wanted to capture that because I think that's it's fantastic insight and it's so easily overlooked in, in, the, in our conversation, so. It's, and thanks for, thanks for really placing like a spotlight on that, but I think it's a constant struggle for businesses as a whole, small, large, medium size, like, a lot of internal, oh, this is bad. So I got off, I just got <laughs> off a call. So I just got off a call with like a client call. It's like, it's like seven or eight of us, um, on my internal team, their, um, uh, their team, and then some other, um, partners within the project. And we're just over here talking about like what they like and what they don't like. And that, and I brought up again, I'm like, but what? does the market like how about we put it out and see what happens like all of this like hypothesizing about what we like and don't like is is generally like a a waste of time it's it doesn't really matter if we are we ourselves are not the target audience um but that just kind of like gave me like I have a little bit of post-traumatic stress from this morning so you know all good um so 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 let me just catch up you it's it's uh Lockdown is in full effect. We just all went through the shock of lockdown 2020, spring of 2020. Mm-hmm. And you're telling your team, we're going to go after the promotion and um, in conference market. Yeah. So we're going to go after like just the event market space. Okay. And um, at that time, but mind you, we're making money hand over fist. We had so much work. We did not even know what to do with it. However, what I identified was that the sales process was long. Mm. The, the, the closing time from when we first spoke to a client to when they actually made a deposit was like four weeks. With event clients, we're looking at like three to four days at max. So it's like, if we can exert the same amount of energy, or sorry, if we can exert less energy and get it and get our internal results faster by providing the same level of value to someone, then why wouldn't we? Like you're telling me that these people are desperate for graphic designers because people are running from them like the plague and they're desperate to find someone and I can do what they need and I can do it really well. And so a way where they don't even have to think about it. They just set it and forget it. Why would I not entertain them? Why would I not sit down and have the conversation? So the first time we actually decided to do it was um, I spoke to this lady named her name is Laura Palker. She is the um, owner of the 
National Trade Show Association. I actually met her while I was hosting this event called um, Start Your Own Design Business Conference by the Graphic Artists Guild. Shameless plug. Mm -hmm. I'm a board member of that. Um, And she I couldn't understand why she wanted to sponsor the event because I'm like, why would the National Trade Show Association want to sponsor a virtual conference for a, you know, graphic art trade association? It wasn't adding up to me. So I asked her, I was like, hey, I just want to chat with you. I want to understand your you know, perspective. And so that's when she was really educating me about the event space and the event industry and like the lack of resources, the lack of talent that was there. And I was like, we can fill that gap. And so that's really where we kind of like went, we decided to go like head first into that. Of course, still like maintaining our existing clients because we're able to maintain um, you know, those clients and maintain the work that we're doing to them without really changing anything. The only thing that we're doing is changing who we're speaking to, because at this point, if you want to talk about blue ocean, like they literally, people literally removed themselves and just left it for us. So we're kind of just like, all right, well, let's, let's dive in. Everybody's coming out. Me and sharks are friends. We're going to just go hang out. And I bet you they won't bite me. We're going to be good. We're going to be hanging out together. It's going to be great. So that's two and a half years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm not I'm not going to say like it went from like zero to like 100 million or anything like that. Um, but we're definitely at the place where we're seeing hundred thousand dollar months, which I feel like is a really big testament because in years past, we hadn't seen that. Like I know for sure, like I was trying I was trying really hard to get to like fifty thousand dollar months and thirty thousand dollar months. And now we're at a place where like, Oh, that's, that's a regular, that's, that's, that's normal. That's not extravagant. That's okay. Great. Good job. Unique. Do better. You know, Um, because, (laughs) because we kind of like know what, like that better is attainable, better is possible. And so I think a lot of, I think a lot of that though really comes, or for me is a testament of being willing to pivot, being willing to try something different, um, being willing to, um, being open to opportunities that are presented to you and also being ready, being ready to, to pounce on them. Right. Like, cause if you're not ready, you can't pounce. If we did not already have like the internal structure systems, um, setups, kind of like understanding, like what our SOPs are, how we service clients, um, and how we would manage our projects in order to constantly deliver on time, our ability to make that really quick pivot, that really quick pivot to focus on a completely different, um, industry wouldn't, be possible so let's talk about that because like that's the theme that we really like to dive into with um with business owners whether it's a you know a a newly growing company or an established company is is that pivot you know being adaptive in the market so i'd love unique to hear from you like what what do you think you bring to the table that helps you to be adaptive as a leader as a business owner and is there anything that you're that you think you do that supports that ability to kind of recognize, hey, this is like, there's a blue ocean and everybody's running out of it and I'm going to go there. So, well, first and foremost, I almost feel like I need to like work from the second end of that question because I might get lost if I start with the front part. So I think, especially at this stage in my life, there are a lot of things that aren't holding me back. The only person responsible for me right now is me. The only person who I am responsible for right now is me. If I mess up, 
it's on me. Well, you know what? That's not true. I'm also responsible for my employees and their livelihood, right? But in the grand scheme of things, like, you know, when I go to bed at night, I'm not looking next to my husband and going, hey, how do you feel about this idea? I don't have to be impacted by someone else's fear of me failing. The only fear that I need to deal with is mine. And I, and if I identify the risks and the reward, and I choose that, the, or I identify that the reward is significantly greater than whatever the risk is going to be, then I'm in there. I'm, I'm in there. I mean, it's all about being willing and being open to make, take calculated risks, right? Like, I'm not saying jump off the balcony without a parachute. What I'm saying is, if you have a parachute, why not jump? Uh, you know, like, if you've got the parachute, yeah. right, you yeah. can take risks. So let's talk and about that. So how the can... plan. It's the plan. Yeah. 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 So you have a plan. So I'm kind of curious if you can kind of come back to your mindset, you know, in that early 2020 oh. and ask yourself, like, what were you thinking about the event marketing space? What, what triggered that for you? And what, what I really like to work? know, is there something, is there something that you're doing that other our listeners could say, hey, I want to start doing that, like reading, meditating, you know, journaling. Like, what practice do you have that may have brought you to that conclusion? Or is it a mindset? Is it an attitude? So number one, it, I, I want to say it's a I want to say it's a mindset because the only question that I had for myself is what if it works? Not what if it didn't work, it's what if it works. If this works, this what this is what could happen. What if it works? The what if it doesn't work doesn't matter because those are those are the things that you build out for contingencies, right? Those are mm -hmm. you, you build out your contingency plans to deal with those what is, but what if it works? How can I make it work? What would stop it from working? And how do I stop the things that would stop it from working from happening? Um and that's, and that's 2020, right? Like, and it's, I am in complete isolation at this point, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I have asthma. I have like a little like heart arrhythmia thing going on. Like I have like high anxiety, all these things. So I'm not going outside at this point. And even like, I'm not seeing friends. I'm not socializing with any. I am by myself, deeply entrenched in thinking and feeling. So I guess you could even say well, there was some meditation there. I am working out every day. I am at this point actually also going on like 10 mile runs. I, mm. I started the pandemic at like, you know, half mile runs and ended up at 10 mile runs. It, it was great. Um, and a lot of it was just like, I feel was not impacted by constant negative thoughts from like outside people. It was just me at home focused on what if it works. Now. I more so recently I started reading this book. It's called um oh my goodness, can I not remember the book? You'll you'll know the book in a second. I know you're going to know the book or you're going to you're going to tell me. Um and when I was reading the book I thought to myself before this year 2022 I don't know if I could have even appreciated it because I have always thought to my thought of myself as a really resilient person oh the book is called can't hurt me by david goggins i love that book i just i i did that book about a year ago yeah no um definitely new obsession um and 
when I first started reading it, I wasn't impressed. I was like, what kind of self-deprecating nonsense is this? Like, yeah, why do I have pushes- to be telling myself I'm horrible in order to be better? This is this is trash. But then I, I'm listening to like the audiobook. So like I get yeah, like the annotated yep. like podcast versions of him going, oh no, no. I believe that you should love yourself and care for yourself, but like try to do better. And that's just his way of approaching it. But he's yeah. not saying to like hate yourself, right? He's just saying, if you don't love these things about yourself, or if you don't like these things about yourself in order to show yourself more love, improve those things so you can love yourself more. And I'm like, all right, cool. I can rock with that. Um, but this year, right, my my dad died and then my brother was murdered 44 days after. And I feel like those two things, right, were also a catalyst for me just like deciding what what else is there to possibly stop me from making decisions? I always used to joke and say, um, I would never, this, this is so bad, but I could never do anything illegal because I would hate for my grandfather to see me get arrested doing something. And I would hate to be like a bad example to my brother. But like, I'm using the word, I'm using illegal specifically because like they, those two people, my brother and my, my, my grandfather, they crafted their presence in my life crafted how I behaved in every single way. And so now 2022, they're not here anymore. And I thought that I was just gonna, I thought I was just going to get let off the rails. I thought it was going to be a whole different person. I realized, no, I'm not. I'm just going to be more of exactly who I am, exactly who I was to them, who exactly who I was for them, but not being afraid that I wouldn't live up to a very specific kind of expectation mm. or like be this very specific model for them but as I'm like rewinding and looking back at 2020 and I'm like saying this even right now I'm like oh the year before I got robbed at gunpoint you know and like I was afraid to actually drive a car for a while um I was you know afraid to like go to like my friend's building because I was like I'm gonna die mind you this is like in the middle of like extra luxury buckhead with like concierge and like you know beautiful high-rise buildings and I'm just like traumatized and a lot of it kind of like makes me think that I am willing to push the limits because I my mind has been so calloused from personal experiences that I have been able to push through even like looking back right being laid off three months after you just like got hired like you're like planning how you're gonna buy a house planning how you're gonna get married with the boyfriend that you have like this is like my real life and I get laid off and I'm like wait what Mm. wait my entire life was in shambles this is horrible oh my gosh but like I have somehow managed to push through those things and develop this mental callus for like, all right, things get bad, but life gets better in every stage of it. But what Mm. if it gets better? What if it just keeps getting better? And you never know if it's going to get better until you like choose to push and try. And even those moments that are like seemingly failures set you up for success in another area. So uh, first of all, I love that story. And, and I really kind of want to, without minimizing your story at all, I want to capture it, right? I want to capture that. But the idea is, is you know, the mindset of believing that better is down the road. It's going to get better, not worse. I mean, and, and I think there's something to be said about being 
um, in a healthy isolation. Yeah. Right. You had you created healthy isolation by keeping all the negative and the negativity. And look, like we get bombarded if you if you listen or pay attention to any kind of news media, you get bombarded with negativity listen. over and over and over again. And you know, we know it takes five positives, five positive interactions to overcome each negative one. And so if you have a space where, hey, it's you and and what you bring into your world, you bring into your world, you bring positive things in, that shifts your attitude and the belief in yourself. Like I think you have a, a tremendous amount of confidence in yourself, unique. Um, and I think that lends you to say, hey, look, I've already done this. You built that over time. You you were very successful in your academic career. You came to the US, you, you went through college, you had built success. You built those early foundations as a, a promoting and yourself. And David right? would say, my cookie jar. I had my cookie jar. If if you don't know what I'm talking about, like just pick up the book, you know, make a reference. Like yeah. by the time you get to chapter, yeah. like I think four through six, like you start talking about the cookie jar. But yeah, my cookie jar, I had my cookie jar. So how could I not? I just have to try the next thing. Love it. I want to I want to touch on one more thing before we wrap up. Um, you've grown your organization. You're 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 making some good revenue, and you're going to be I'm sure expanding beyond that. But you've absolutely you've taken you've taken a skill that you have right. You've created a business around it, and you've turned that business, and you've gone into another industry, and you've really made it scale out. So you've built a team. You have systems. I'm kind of curious, what have you put in, what have you invested into your organization so that you and your team can continue to be adaptive? So um, there are a couple of things that I think are like really, really important, not just for the organization, but also team members. At the end of the day, my company can't run without them. And I tell them that all the time, like you guys are the most important part of our business. And people would like to think it's the customers, but it's not the customers. It's, it's the team. It's the people who are actually doing the work. Like those human resources are the reasons why the clients are willing to come. It's why the clients are getting the results that they can get. It's the why they have the peace of mind they have and why I have the peace of mind that I have. And so as we continue to grow, learn each other, not just as like colleagues, but as um, as a company, right? Because like we're all a part of this whole, everybody has two things. 30-day reviews and 90-day reviews. And um, in those 30 and 90, in the 30, half the time is me giving feedback. And then the other the other 30 is them giving feedback on me and then the organization and, and what maybe roadblocks are hindering them from being better or growing in their role. Then 90 days is where we actually do um, a planning canvas. Um, and I learned that from my friend, Joe Rojas. Um, uh, you can tell, I, I love the mentoring groups. I love like, I think it's really big to like have like mentors and things to like kind of help you grow and scale and have other ideas. But, you know, you want to be mindful of who you let into your mental space. Um, but in this 90 day planning canvas, so I plan what we need as company goals, right? Um, as a whole. And then everyone plans their individual 90 day, how they're going to contribute to the bigger company goal. So whatever the company goal is for that 90 days, everybody's now going to create a planning canvas to identify their roles in those 90 day goals. And then 
in the next 90 days that we talk about how they've met those. And then within those 30 day pieces, we also talk about their progress towards the goals that they set previously. And those goals, by the way, don't always mean, um, you know, how many projects you churned out the door. Some of it might mean, did you, how many times did you take a one hour break at work today? How many times did you sleep eight hours a day? Because that's affecting your productivity. That's affecting your happiness. That's affecting how you're treating your coworkers. That's affecting how you're receiving your clients. So um, I think that level of mindfulness leave, puts us in a position to one, be flexible, right? Hold ourselves accountable, but also be adaptive. Like It's like, no, no, no. Those aren't our goals. This th- Those aren't our goals this quarter. So we're, we're not focused on that. This is what we're focused on. This is what we're going to drive home. This is what we're going to do our best at. And then when we're done, we're going to see like how we like actually, like what we actually achieved. And I think that's a really, I think that's a really big part of it. I think that's, that's fantastic. So we, we sit in the space of connecting strategy to behavior and your model for your team, I think captures that because if you're setting the, the, the objectives every 90 days, and you have the infrastructure for your team to say, okay, here's the objective in this next quarter. What am I going to do to achieve that? And, and you give them support and insight on what actually will move the needle for them. Because not everybody thinks, hey, getting a full night's sleep is going to help me achieve a goal. They might think, actually, if I cut yeah. that in half, if I go four hours a night, I'll get more work done. Like, Trust that's- me, we, we, we have those conversations. They're like, yeah, but I just have so much to do. I'm like, but how is that helpful to the team if when you come to work, you can't focus? <laughs> how is that helpful? How is it helpful if like when we're in client meetings, you're like zoned out like this because you're too tired to focus? It, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't work. Yeah. So again, just being mindful and being willing to like give each other that feedback, I think is what kind of sets us apart and puts us in a position to adjust when necessary. It's like, all right, What's what's the goal? What's that tying back to? How is that helping the organization as a whole? And when we're talking about helping the organization as a whole, how is the organization then helping the helping our clients? Right? Um, you heard my little chime go off. It's funny because I have someone's ninety day review in ten minutes. Um, <laughs> but it's it's really it's really about. I think it's really about accountability and mindfulness. And at any point where you feel or see that something is no longer moving the needle, you should probably stop doing that and try something else. At least if, if you have like a, like the same goal, try something else. If you have a different goal that maybe you shouldn't be doing the same activities you were for a, a, a previous goal, it's not, it's not really adding up. And so I think that level of mindfulness puts us in a position to be really agile. I love it. I love it. Unique. This has been a fantastic conversation. And I think we could probably keep going for another hour, but uh, let me ask you this. So if, if, um, if somebody uh, wanted to find you or get a hold of you, what would be the best way for them to reach you? Um, so they can um, reach out to me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a really awesome place to get my attention. Um, I'm on all the social media platforms. Um, Yanni does stuff is, you know, cause I do all the stuff. Um, but you can, um, you know, just reach out to me. Um, I'm willing to give 
all the listeners of this podcast, you know, 30 minutes of my time to kind of like do some semblance of a consultation of like where their business is and how we could possibly help them to, you know, move from one place to another. And um, I think I think something even more we should probably do is um, drop in a, like a 10% off uh, their first service wow. uh, just for being a listener. So I think, um, yeah, those are all the, those are all the best that. ways to reach out to me and um, some of the fun stuff that will happen once they do. Love it. Love it. We'll put all that into the show notes. Um, Yannick, this has been a real treat and a privilege. I'm super excited for connecting with you. Uh, love the story, love the work you're doing and the success you're creating. And uh, I look forward to continuing uh, getting to know you and the work you do. So thank you for joining us on our show. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you for joining us on the Adaptive Executive Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow us on LinkedIn and by subscribing to our mailing list. Again, my name is Greg Ballard and thank you for listening.